0: are you ready for the word if you're ready say i'm ready i'm ready ready too i'm really ready we're going to talk about this week week number four on how to receive the baptism of the holy spirit over the last couple of weeks we've been walking through the person of the holy spirit we've talked about the fruits of the spirit last sunday we talked about the gifts of the spirit but today i want to teach you about how to receive the baptism of the holy spirit I'll be honest up front, I have a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it all in. I've got a ton of scripture. I'm gonna give you as much scripture as I can. The heart behind this entire series is to hopefully kind of uh, give you all, and myself included, just some additional homework uh, to continue to study and learn about the the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you some homework today. I wanna show you some stuff here. So let's go to Acts chapter number 19, beginning in verse number one and following in verse number two. These two verses have been our, our theme verses throughout the series. So now four consecutive Sundays, we've looked at Acts 19 verses one and two. I'm going to, I'm going to show you this again here on our final Sunday, because in, in these two verses, we learned that we're not the only generation of people that have some misconceptions and some misunderstandings about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I've told you each week, I feel like we do a really good job at understanding God, the father. We do a really good job of understanding God the Son, but there is a third person of God in the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, and just like there's a desire for you to have relationship with God the Father and God the Son, I also, and especially God wants you to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the series has been, I don't want you, listen to me, lean in for a second, I know it's early in the message, but I don't want you just to know about the Holy Spirit intellectually, I want you to know the Holy Spirit personally and intimately. Is that good? So Acts 19 is coming towards the end of the book of Acts. Acts is about 28 chapters long. Uh, In the book of Acts, we see that the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the first church, fell upon the early church, those first Christians. The Holy Spirit gave them power to accomplish the assignment that was on their life, which is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. It's why we call ourselves Go Church, because we believe that that is our mission and our mandate as well, to go and tell the whole world how Jesus is, how good Jesus is. Come on. And, and to tell the whole world that, that with Jesus, there's hope for everybody. That Jesus can save anybody, even Kanye. Come on, somebody. I mean that. That is beautiful, and it's powerful, and God can save anybody. Jesus can save anybody, and it's our responsibility to tell the whole world just how wonderful Jesus is. And so in Acts chapter 19, the power of the Holy Spirit comes. The disciples have been scattered. They're preaching uh, from city to city, from country to country, and the the beautiful thing is, is that entire cities and whole countries are being flipped upside down to the power of God. I mean, Jesus is just, the gospel of Jesus is being spread. You see here in verse number one, Apollos, who's an evangelist, he's in Corinth. The apostle Paul, who himself had a radical encounter with God. Now he's preaching in Ephesus. Paul comes up against some disciples, so we know that they're already believers, they're already Christians, and he asks them this question. He says, hey, I wanna know, did you receive the Holy Spirit When you believed. And this is their response. And again, if you've been here through the series, you've seen this a few times now. But they said, no, we've not even heard that. There is a Holy Spirit. And and as your pastor, even if you're visiting today, I'm I'm just kind of your guest pastor for the day. But I want to make sure that you all have heard about the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to try to protect you from parts of the Bible that I think that you should or shouldn't know about. If it's in the book, it matters. Give me a good amen. (laughs) Amen. And over 800 times, over 800 times from Genesis to Revelation, we'd learn about the Spirit of God, the the Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, the Ruach of God, in the New Testament, the Pneuma of God. And so I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. And so today, again, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take some notes. Can you do that? Both campuses, take something to write with or take out your smartphone and open up the notes section there. You can turn it on airplane mode so that you're not trying to Google where you're going to eat lunch today. Come on, somebody. So, But I want you to take notes. We're going to start the whole conversation about how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to start in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Church, listen to me. This is the birthday of the church right here. The power of the Holy Spirit came and fell upon those that were in the upper room. The Bible says it was the day of Pentecost. And when that day had fully come, they were all in one accord, all in one accord. And they were all in in one place. So you know that they were in unity. And watch this. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So let me try. Let me explain it to you like this. God gave authority. He gave dominion to Adam and Eve. They blew it. Come on, give me a better amen. They messed it up. And because they blew it, sin entered the world. So they lost the, the dominion. They lost the authority. So God knew that because sin has now entered the world, that we could not save ourselves. So God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came to the earth. He performed miracle signs and wonders. He accomplished the father's mission. He went to the cross on the cross. He paid for your sins and he paid for my sins. That's a great place to give them thanks. Come on, because you and I deserve the death penalty. Jesus took our place on the cross. They take his lifeless body and they put his body in a borrowed tomb. It was borrowed because ain't no grave. Gonna hold that body down. Come on, so help me preach now. And so three days later, up from the grave, Jesus arose. Now, during those three days, Jesus was in an all out warfare. He fought Satan. And during that battle, he took back the keys to death, hell and the grave. So he took back the authority. Are you with me? He took back the authority and through the great commission, he said, now I'm giving you all authority one more time. This time don't blow it. Are you with me? So after Jesus comes Back to life. He's re- resurrected from the dead. He walks the earth for 40 days. You can read about that in Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. He, he proves himself to be alive after the resurrection hundreds and hundreds of times. Then ascension happens. He goes to heaven. Today, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, but he walks the earth for 40 days. After the ascension of Jesus, the disciples get together in one accord, they get into a place called the upper. Room. How many of you have heard that before? They're in the upper room and they begin to pray and they pray for 10 days, 40 days. Jesus walks the earth, 10 days. They pray 40 plus 10 is 50. That's the root word penta. Penta means 50. So 50 days. Now the Holy Spirit shows up and the Holy Spirit pours out power. And watch this, verse number two. And the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Now this is powerful because last week I told you that when we began to translate the Bible in English, we had no word to define the ruach of God, which is the Hebrew word in the Old Testament. We had no English word to define the pneuma of God, which is the Greek word for spirit in the New Testament. So translators created a word in the English word and they called it spirit or breath. The problem is this, though. The Holy Spirit is not the word breath. He is breath. So what? This is, what, this is profound. And suddenly there came a whew from heaven. It's the Holy Spirit. As of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Watch this. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. Verse number four. I love this verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. On the count of three, both campuses, let's read this together. One, two, three. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. I want to teach you something as we learn about how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is critical. Before I give you like some practical steps on how you can pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to know the difference between the inflow of the Holy Spirit versus the outflow of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you this. There is a difference between the inflowing of the Holy Spirit and the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Write this thought down. The inflow of the Holy Spirit is all about salvation. Both campuses say that word salvation. One, two, three. Salvation. Salvation. Here's what I believe. I believe that whenever you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the Holy Spirit, watch, comes in you. It's only through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that draws us to repentance anyway. So once we say, God, I don't want to keep living my life the way that I've been living it. I don't want to live my life for me. Now I want to live my life for you. I invite you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to live my life for the audience of one, which, by the way, That's the only one that matters is Jesus. I'm going to live my life for you. When you pray that prayer and you invite Christ into your heart, into your life, the Holy Spirit comes in you as well. The inflow, this inflow of the Holy Spirit, this invitation of Jesus into your life is how you receive the gift of salvation. And it's also how you experience new life. Are you with me? So let me say it this way. Whenever we say yes to Jesus Christ, You don't need to try to get the Holy Spirit in you. He's already in you. Come on, give me a better amen than that. Let me give you a verse to kind of prove what I'm saying. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. The what? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Come on, that's good, isn't it? So, so, so the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the grave, when you invite Jesus into your life, that same spirit lives in you. Watch this. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life. Somebody shout life. Life. That is salvation. That's eternal life. So just like God raised Jesus from the dead, when you say, I, I want you, Jesus, then you get life to your mortal bodies because this body is going to die. This flesh is going to wither. Let me say it this way. I ain't always gonna look this good. Come on, somebody. Got a short window of time and I got like three minutes left. But this same spirit is living within you so you get the gift of eternal life. Do you see that? So once you're saved, You don't need the inflowing of the Holy Spirit. What you need is the outflow of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it this way. He's in you, and now he wants to flow out of you. And there's a big difference, because because the inflow of the Holy Spirit is all about salvation, but the outflow of the Holy Spirit is all about power. Come on, church, help me preach for a minute. The outflow of the Holy Spirit is all about power. And ultimately, when you say yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you, and then the Holy Spirit wants to flow out of you because you now possess a supernatural power to make a difference. Let me say it this way. When you are in relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, and now the fruit of that has to be lived out. You don't hide the fruit of what God has done, you live out the fruit. Once you invite the Holy Spirit in, once you invite Jesus in, now watch. Now the gifts that God has equipped you with have to be put on display. The gifts are lived out. You don't hide the gifts that God has given you. You use the gifts as a power to make a difference. Let me show you a, a, a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter five, it's Jesus' sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus says, because I'm showing you that, that the Holy Spirit wants to flow out of you. It doesn't want to stay hidden deep down. But when you let the Holy Spirit, the outflow of the Holy Spirit move, you get to put power on display. And who gets glory? Who gets honor? Who gets victory? Not us. He does. Watch this. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So again, when we invite Christ in, we become the light of the world. Watch this. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now watch. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it underneath a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let what happened in you flow out of you. Come on, somebody put your hands together. In the same way, Stop trying to hide what God has done in you, but let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and deeds and what glorify not you because church, it ain't about you. It's not about me. It's all about our father in heaven, right? Come on. Yeah. Somebody say amen. So I'm teaching you something that I'm going to go somewhere with this. So whenever you have the inflow of the Holy Spirit, there comes a moment. Lean in. And the moment is an explosion of God's power wants to come out of you. Somebody say power. power. So when, the, when God comes in, what's happening on the inside cannot be contained. Are you with me? It's got to come out. It's Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And you will receive. Power. Come on, if you don't say it, say it like you got some. And you shall receive. Power. When? When? The Holy spirit comes into your life and then watch, and then you can do what I've called you to do. Let me, let me say it this way. Whenever the Holy spirit comes in the inflow, the power comes out. When the Holy spirit comes in the inflow salvation happens, then power comes out. And I love this word power. And some of you know this, but this word power is the word dunamis. And dunamis means a force. Dunamis means a miraculous power. A dunamis means an explosion. Dunamis means you put your finger in a spiritual socket and da, 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 da. come on somebody. It's a force. It's a, it's dunamis. Somebody look at your neighbor, say dunamis. Come on, tell them. Dunamis. It's a dunamis power. God gives you power so that you can face trials and tests and obstacles so that when life throws you a curveball, you can stand through the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit and not get put down. But every time you get put down, you just get back up. Come on. It's a power, a power. And I want you to experience the inflow of the Holy Spirit. But I've said this a few times, but don't put a period where there should be a comma. Because what goes in must come out. Come on and put your hands together if you like that. All right, let me tell you a story. I've told this story, I've told this story before, so for some of you, it's, it's going to not be a new story, but just look at me and nod your head like you like it the second time around. But I want to tell you a story uh, because I'll kind of make it all tied in together here. The greatest Christmas that I ever remember in my lifetime was when I was about eight years old. And on that particular Christmas leading up to Christmas morning, I had presented a list of gifts that I wanted to have in my possession on Christmas morning. So at the top of that list, like most eight year old boys was a bicycle. I had begged my mom and especially my dad for a bicycle. So like any good eight year old kid for the like the last three weeks leading up to Christmas, I was on my best behavior. Come on, somebody. It's going to make sure that I got that bike. So Christmas morning rolls around. I wake up early and I run into, I grew up in Florida. In Florida, uh, we have what they call a Florida room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I run into the Florida room, there's a Christmas tree and underneath the tree are all kinds of presents, some of them wrapped and some of them unwrapped. Now I, I, listen to me. I appreciated the gifts, but I was looking for something else. I wanted something more because my eyes did not see the bicycle. So gift after gift that I opened, I tried to show appreciation for my family for getting me those gifts, but as an eight-year-old kid, I was disappointed that I didn't get what I wanted. Hello? So I ran ran off to my room after the time of opening gifts was done and I took all my gifts into into my bedroom and I laid down on my bed, I started crying. My sister, Amanda, who's eight years older than I am, and I love to remind her of that, that she's definitely older than me, she does what any older sibling would do. She comes into my room and says, are you crying? Come on, man, are you crying? It's Christmas morning. You're going to ruin Christmas for everybody because you didn't get what you want. She said, Mom made breakfast, dry your tears, and come to the kitchen. So I kind of, I'm eight, I'm sad, I'm heartbroken. Life, life is over as I know it, come on. I dry my, dry my, little, my little, picture eight-year-old JC heartbroken. Come on, somebody. So I go downstairs and when I walk down, it's just like a one step or so into this Florida room. I see my dad standing at the sliding glass door. And this story is one of my favorite stories. Uh, Excuse me. Oh, not because of the gift that was given. But a few years later, my dad passed away from a heart attack. And so like, this is just that story that I just remember, you know, so my dad's standing there and uh, he's got this big smile on his face, which was kind of confusing to me because I'm heartbroken and he's happy. But it's what he said next that forever just changed my life. He said, JC, there's one more gift. Come on now. I said, excuse me. He said, son, there's one more gift. So he took me by my little hand and, uh, and he had me, uh, excuse me. He had me take my other hand and close my eyes. And he opened up the sliding glass door and we went out into this yard that, you know, as a kid, it felt like hundreds of acres, but it wasn't that big, you know? And uh, he said, all right, when I count to three, I want you to remove your hand. So my dad counted to three, one, two, three. And he dropped my hand from my eyes and I look up and church in front of me is the brightest, most beautiful blue go-kart I had ever seen. Come on somebody. Now, now here was my here was my reaction. What is this? And my dad said, "Well, it's a go-kart." To which I responded, "What's a go-kart?" And he got down on one knee and he said, JC, he said, I know you wanted a bicycle and I know you told everybody or you told us that everybody in the neighborhood, we lived on this long windy dirt road in Dover, Florida called Feetsway Road and all the other boys in the, in the block, they were getting bicycles. He said, I know you wanted a bike and I know all the other kids in the neighborhood were getting a bike. And he's on one knee and he looks at me in the eye and I'll never forget, he says, JC, hear these words. You aren't like everybody else. Come on. And this is what he said. He said, this go-kart sets you apart. You're different. So I sit down and he gives me a few tutorials because this is before YouTube and Google. Come on now. So he's telling me how to crank the go. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what unleaded was. Come on somebody. So I can see my mom and hear my mom from a distance. Remember the old Christmas story movie? It's like, you'll shoot your eye out. I can hear my mom, Don, that's my dad's name. He's gonna wreck. He's gonna kill himself. He's gonna break his neck. Why'd you get him the go-kart? And the whole time, my dad's like, make it run as fast as it can run, you know? So, so he, so I got the thing started and he said, man, take it out there on that dirt road. So I got out on that dirt road and I'm telling you church, I'm going 90 to nothing baby. I can taste the bugs hitting the tip of my tongue. I had never in eight years of living felt freedom like I felt in that moment. Come on. Y'all didn't know, but I had blonde hair back then. Yeah, and it was waving in the wind. Well, all of a sudden I see a pack of boys coming at me and all four, five, or six of them are riding on their bicycles. (laughs) How cute is that? Well, I don't know how it happened. The only thing I can testify to is that the Holy Spirit took the wheel because as they got closer to me and as I got closer to them, I accelerated, I slammed on the brake, I turned that steering wheel and all of a sudden, dust from old Feet's Way Road just blew up all over those boys and the whole time, I'm sitting there like this. (laughs) Sup? And these boys, listen what they did. They got off their bicycles and they put down their kickstand. I didn't have no kickstand. I'm riding on unleaded gasoline. And they start. This is what they do. Whoa! What? What is this? It's a go kart. One boy said, "Who? Got, who gave you this? My daddy gave it to me." I just want to say something to you. So many Christians are content with riding the bicycle of faith, pedaling their way from one place to the other, and and you can do that, or you can have something with power. Y'all not gonna help me today. You can work, and you can pedal, and you can go through the motions, or you can sit back on the go-kart of Christianity, something that's got power, and you can enjoy the best ride of your life. Give me 200 people that know what I'm talking about. Come on, either campus. He says, there is a power, there is a power that you can have. Woo! Come on now. Power. Power. Now watch this. This is really important. And I I don't want you to miss it. If you want the inflow of the Holy Spirit, then all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And I'm telling you, not just my words, but there are hundreds of people between both campuses that would say that the best decision they ever made was inviting Jesus into their heart. Come on and testify. So if you want the inflow of Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled up with Christ, If you want the gift of salvation, say yes to Jesus. Don't delay. Stop playing games. Stop trying to figure it all out. You will never figure it all out. We need Jesus. Come on. Somebody say the name Jesus. We need Jesus. So if you want the inflow, all you have to do is accept Jesus. But if you want the outflow, come on, somebody listen to me. This is a separate experience. This is another gift. It's the gift of salvation, the inflow, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the outflow. Inflow versus outflow. Inflow versus outflow. Are you with me? Not at me if you're with me. I've been talking a lot. Let me show you the Bible to just kind of uh, make my case. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Let me show you the inflow versus the outflow. Siri's talking to me on my iPad. There it is. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the what? Yeah, Yeah, wait for the gift. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. My father promised this gift. He said, you heard me speak about it. And then he he said this. He said, John baptized with water. That's salvation. You don't get any other gift until you first get the gift of salvation. He said, so John came and he baptized with water. But in a few, a separate experience, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's what he's saying: John baptized with water. When you get baptized, you go in the water, inflow. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you come out, it's a separate, powerful experience. Let me give you another one: John chapter seven, two verses. If anybody's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Which is me right now. Water. Let's get some magic TV. <laughs> when I drink this water, watch the water goes in. He says, "If you're thirsty, if you're spiritually dehydrated, come and take a drink." There's the inflow. But for anyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. One one translation says, "Out of his belly." shall flow rivers of living water. He says, drink, drink me in so that I can flow back out. Come on, church. It's it's inflow versus outflow inflow versus outflow inflow versus outflow. Let me give you one more example of this inflow versus outflow for four consecutive Sundays. I've been showing you Acts chapter 19 verses one and two. Apollos is at Corinth. Paul is in in Ephesus Paul comes along, some disciples, they're Christians, they're already believers. You already know this. We've done it 40 times, it feels like. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed, separate experience. He said, all right, you're already believers, but did you get the other gift? You're, you're on the bike. Do you want a go-kart? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, for four weeks, I've been wrestling through Acts 19, 1 and 2, and I kept repeating this one question. Who was the preacher that went to Ephesus before Paul that failed to tell the people about the go-kart? Hello? Who's the guy, because they were already saved, who was the guy that went to Ephesus and did not tell the people about the inflow and the outflow? Who told them about salvation but didn't tell them about the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, let me say this to you. If you ever come across a verse that you're contemplating or considering or studying or you even want to use it, okay, for whatever purpose or whatever reason, it's always beneficial if you take that verse and you read at least 10 verses prior and 10 verses after, then you get the full context because if you only read the one verse, then you'll use it to justify whatever behavior you're trying to get away with. Are you with me? Let's go back one chapter. Acts chapter 19. This is the first two verses. What are the last few verses of the one chapter prior? Watch this. Meanwhile, a Jew named? Bingo. It was Apollos. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. He was an eloquent speaker. He knew the scriptures well. He had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. Now, I highlighted this word Jew because I told you in the first couple of weeks that a lot of our misunderstanding and a lot of our misconception about the person of the Holy Spirit has to do with our faith upbringings, how we were taught from from early on. Does that make sense? So Apollos comes from a Jewish Background. He's eloquent in his speaking. He knows the scripture well. He gets to Ephesus and watch this. Now he had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. But watch. But he only knew about John's baptism. Is this profound to you? Okay, let let me say it like this because this is important. Luke. Chapter 3, verse number 16. John. John says, I can only baptize you with water. But there is one who is coming after me, who's mightier than I, that I'm not even worthy to untie the straps on his Nike shoes. Come on, somebody. He says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Apollos didn't tell the church at Ephesus about the Holy Spirit because Apollos didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. So here's what happened. All of a sudden, Priscilla and Aquila, they hear Apollo's preaching, and they, they, they love the boldness that he's teaching with. And so what did they do? They took him aside, another translation says, they took him to his, their house, and they explained the way of God even more accurately. There's a part of me that thinks, and I don't know if this is 100% right, but, but you do the research. There's a part of me that thinks that Priscilla and Aquila, husband and wife. They heard Apollo's preaching and they thought, man, that's a good communicator. That's a good young preacher, but he's not telling the whole story. See, Apollo's is only telling people about the bicycle faith. Priscilla and Aquila, I think brought Apollo's into their house and laid hands on that guy. Come on somebody and said, Apollo's listen to me. There is another gift. And the other gift is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because for Apollos, watch this, Apollos was eloquent in speech and he knew the scriptures well. But when Paul shows up, Paul said to the church at Corinth, watch, he said, I do not speak with wise and persuasive words. He said, whenever I speak, I speak with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. I'm just trying to tell you, there is a difference between the inflow versus the outflow. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Come on. Yeah. He, he he only knew one way, one way. Let me just say this because I feel it in my heart. We got too many churches and I got to be careful here because I'm not responsible for any except the ones that God allowed us to lead in terms of organizational. Jesus is the head of the church. We got too many churches and too many pastors that will fill a pulpit today with so many self-help sermons, with, with so, with so many messages about the need to be saved and you need to be saved. You don't get any other gift until you say yes to Jesus, but you've heard me say this before, but you are not dead. You are alive. And while you are alive, tap into a power. Come on tap into a power that you can possess that can allow you to accomplish supernatural things. Are you with me? Yeah. There is another gift and you can accept the bike or you can let daddy give you a go-kart. That's all I'm trying to say. Come on now. All right, let me show you this cause we're going to be done. So how then do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give you some practical things that I believe you need to do. Watch this. The first one is critical. We have to empty ourselves. If, if what goes in must come out, then we have to be careful what we let in. Garbage in, garbage out. Are you with me? So, so we have to empty ourselves. Because truth be told, we all got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Come on, we all got issues. Look at the person right next to you and say, that's the best preaching about you I ever heard. You got ish Issues. Tell them, get a tissue for your issue. Come on, somebody. We all got skeletons in the closet. If not careful, we can all wrestle with unforgiveness. If not careful, we say, God, I I want the I want the inflow and the outflow. But if you've got doubt or skepticism, that's got you got to get rid of that. You can't have fear and expect God to fill you. Fear, fear and faith, they they're not friends. All right, got to empty ourselves because let, let, me, let me just pastor you for a moment. Some of you are living in premeditated sin. Well, hey, let the inflow of the Holy Spirit come in and wash all that out. Are you with me? Empty all that out so that then the power can flow out of you. We've all, some of us, we've got misconceptions, we've got misunderstandings. So, so we have to, step one is we got to empty this thing out. Here's a question. I'm going to give you three questions today. Here's one of them. What do you need to empty yourself of? What's in there that you need to empty or rid yourself of? That's number one. Number two is this. You want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You have to reposition yourself. I've tried to tell you over the last few weeks that your life is like a sailboat. And the Holy Spirit is the wind that powers your sails. But watch this. Do you know that sometimes wind can shift directions. Watch, listen, it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't moving. It's that you're not in the wind stream. Here's what the Bible says. John chapter three, verse eight, the wind blows wherever it wants, wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So if the wind blows wherever it wishes, then we need to position ourselves to experience that power. Let me say this, because for many of us, we only position ourselves if it benefits us. So we'll put ourselves in a position if it lets us get more stuff. Or how do I position myself to get what I want, what I need? How do I position myself to get my way? How do I position myself so, it, so it's my best interest? But here's the question. What's your position? What, what is your position? What's your position spiritually? What, what, is, what is your position physically? The disciples they went to the upper room. Their position was faith and expectation. Their position was unity. Watch, I've been doing four weeks on the Holy Spirit. So what's your theological position? Because I, I I can give I can give you the keys to the go-kart, but you got to decide to drive it or not. So if you want to be where the wind blows, then you've got to reposition yourself so that you can receive everything that God has for you. Is this good? One more. You want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Then say, God, I want, I want the out, I want the inflow and I want the outflow. I want every, this is my prayer. I'm not even talking to you right now. I'm talking to my father. I want everything you have for my life. I don't want to miss any of it. God, I don't want to get to heaven and realize there was more that I didn't get because of my foolishness or my pride or whatever I got. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, fill me up and then flow out of me. Come on I, I want all of it. So here's the question. Do you desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First, you got to get saved. That's the inflow. But do you, do you want the outflow? I'm gonna give you some homework. Okay, because here's my prayer. I believe that for many of you, the power the power of God. If you say, if you say, if you say yes, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God is gonna hit you at home. The explosive power of God might hit you at work. It might even hit you in the shower. Come on, somebody. It doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't just have to touch you in this room or at Germantown. So I'm gonna give you some homework because I believe that some of you. The Holy Spirit's going to wake you up at 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m. And you're going to go to the refrigerator thinking, man, I'm hungry. That's the wrong kind of hunger, honey. It's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm about to show you an explosive power. If you say, yes, so here's the homework. When you get home, seek the baptizer. Not the baptism. It is God. It is God who baptizes. Are you with me? So I'm seeking God. I'm seeking God, not just the outflow. We got to get our priorities right. Here's the second one. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift. So your prayer should be, I want the gift of salvation and I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. If there's one more gift, sign me up. All right, here's the third one. And I've tried my best. I don't know if I've done, you know, I hope I have. I hope I've done a good enough job to tell you that the Holy Spirit is biblically right This isn't something that we've made up. No, the Holy Spirit is a gift and it is biblically accurate in scripture. Here's another one. This is homework. You gotta confess your sins. Empty yourself. Come on, rid yourself of all of that stuff. Then you gotta get in the right position. You gotta begin to worship the Lord. God, I worship you in spirit and in truth. Get into the Bible, turn on some music, turn off the laptop, turn off the cell phone. Put the kids to bed early one night and tell them, say, don't come to my room unless you're bleeding. Come on. Because in this room, I'm touching heaven tonight through my worship because I want the outflow. Then watch. Then you have to express your desire to be filled. God, I'm worshiping you. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Can we sing that in a moment? Fill me up till I overflow. Come on. Watch this. And then you yield to any deep welling up So don't put the period where there should be a comma. Because a lot of times when people start to feel God moving on the inside, they're like, oh, I don't know what this is. It's just the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Did you enjoy this series? Come on, if that's you. Yeah. Come on. All right, I want to transition both campuses. The worship teams are coming. Your campus pastor is going to come in just a moment. And here's what I wanna do. I wanna just give you a little bit of instruction. At both campuses, listen to me. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come now at both campuses. I just want you to get in place here in the altar here at South Metro, there at the ramp at our Germantown campus. They're gonna sing a song. I'm gonna have you stand as soon as we transition this live stream. And if you desire to be saved, if you need Jesus, that inflow, I want you to come. If you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the outflow, I want you to come. If you need a, a, recommi- a refreshing, if, if, if any of those last three things that I've talked about touch your heart, I need to empty myself, I need to reposition myself, I want to request the ba- I want you to come. I believe God's going to touch some people here today through salvation and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm giving you homework, church. You've got to do the homework because God wants to flow in you and he wants to flow through you.